Hello and welcome to a new episode of eWorklife, a podcast where we talk about productivity, well-being and work-life balance. We talk to scientists and others who can help us make the most of our technology to get our work done, to keep connected to others and to support our health and well-being. I'm Anna Cox, Professor of Human-Computer Interaction at UCL in London and your host for this episode. In today's episode, I'll be talking to Dr. Joe Newbold, an expert in sonic interaction design, about how he's managed to combine his passion for music with his curiosity about how we interact with technology. But before that, let's listen to some top tips for surviving life in the digital age from some of our other guests. I'm Anne Blanford, a professor of human-computer interaction at University College London. My top tip for using technology to get the best out of life is to reflect on what really matters to you and experiment with tools that might help you, but also to work out how to fit them comfortably into your life and not to expect instant results, because it usually takes time. So I'm David Ellis and I'm an Associate Professor at the University of Bath. My top tip for using technology to be your best at work is to make sure you're using the right technology. If it isn't helpful, use it less. If there's a gap, explore what's available. If what you want isn't there, build it. Now to today's guest. Dr Joe Newbold is a lecturer at Northumbria University and an expert in sonic interaction design. His research explores how we can use audio interaction to encourage physical activity and well-being. He's published on how we can use musically informed sonification for facilitating progress in chronic pain rehabilitation. We talk about how we can take our expectations of how music unfolds and what that means and remap it into something else in a way that's much more subtle and sophisticated than just playing high energy, go faster music in a gym. We also talk about how we can use the way music moves us to encourage people to take activity breaks when working and how we can use changes in rhythm to not so much interrupt work but give people a better sense of time passing so we don't just get lost in work and end up sitting for hours and end or to create expectations of a break which may trigger us to actually take a break. So let's get straight into it. Here's my conversation with Dr. Joe Newbold. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me, Joe. Thank you for having me. So I know that you started your university education by studying electronic engineering with music technology systems and that you did that at the University of York. So what got you interested in that degree and what made you choose that to start with? I think definitely I've always had an interest in music. It wasn't something I pursued academically for a long time it was more a personal interest but then yeah it came time to choose what I wanted to do and yeah obviously the the engineering side in computing was has always been a uh, an interest of mine in something I've uh, done but uh, yeah looking for something where I could incorporate um my kind of love of music and and yeah the idea of of merging those two together and having you know, the the technical and uh, digital side of, of computing and how that might 
interplay into to my kind of love of music and more creative stuff. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I think I didn't really consider when I started the, the interplay the other way around, which is probably where I'm more interested in now is how we can learn from our creative interests and bring those into our more digital lives. Okay. So, so when you chose it, what was it that interested you? Was it like, how can we use tech to make music? Yeah, I think if I'm being very honest, it was, uh, how can I do some kind of engineering or computing degree, but also get to bunk off and do music at the same time? And it, yeah, it was only throughout my time at York that I started being you know, interested, learning about you know, different audio techniques, recording techniques, um, and through that, kind of becoming more and more interested in uh, stuff like sonification and uh, audio interfaces through my time there, which is what then lead, led me into my PhD, where I started becoming more acquainted with areas of human-computer interaction and, and how the way we listen and understand music might play into that. So what kind of careers does that degree normally lead to? Yeah, that's a good question. So. I know there's a, a lot of people who work now in you know, game audio, designing audio for games. Some people try and go into films. So they're like composers? Yeah, composers or audio engineers, that kind of thing, uh, as well as a, a bunch of you know <laughs> engineers who have very uh, good signal processing skills. And, and had you thought about where it might take you? Yeah, I thought I would be more one of those um, engineers who, who – you know, had some good knowledge of, of music. I think uh, I always wanted to do something where I could still have some aspect of music in, in my day-to-day life. I think it's you know, such a powerful part of what being a person is about, is being able to enjoy those creative endeavours. Uh, but I think I never thought it would be so closely paired with, with what I do on a, a day-to-day. So how did you end up? thinking that you might choose an academic career and go and do a PhD? Yes, so it was kind of through my first uh, contact with audio interfaces, uh, was was it through you know, a series of lectures at York, in which I missed the first one. So that was uh, it's only a real uh, stroke of luck that I was um, catching up on that lecture and it, it started to really catch my eye and uh, needless to say, I, I went to all the ones for that series afterwards. Uh, and yeah, from that, I started to really think about more how kind of everything we know about music and understand it and the way we use it in our personal lives to, you know, cheer ourselves up, to get ourselves dancing, to to share with other people. How could we bring that into the way we interact with technology day to day, which predominantly is is something that's done a lot more visually and, and tactilely with click clack on keyboards and we we look around on our desktops. But we have such a rich shared understanding of, of what musical uh, elements mean um, of you know different pitches and tones and progressions. Uh, I think what's really started to interest me and pulled me into academic career where I started my PhD in UCL was yeah, thinking more, how can we share that understanding of music with how we interact with technology and really building sound feedback for, uh, in the first case, physical activity. So when you say that kind of our shared understanding of music, what, what do you mean? And does everybody have the 
like understand music or experience music in the same way because I guess I kind of think there's a lot of difference between what music I might like and what music someone else might like yeah sure I wouldn't I would never say everyone experiences music in the same way but yeah uh, and and certainly throughout different cultures musical structures mean different things as well um, but certainly within a culture even though we might not like the same kind of music and you know maybe someone might have a a better vocabulary for describing what the different parts of what makes a piece of music up. The majority of, of people who who listen to music on a day-to-day basis through the radio or, or, you know, more likely now through their Spotify accounts or whatever, understand what composers are saying in, in music. And what I mean by that is there are these shared feelings of resolution and, and tension, uh, we certain rhythms mean things. If we hear something in a major key, it sounds happy. Something in a minor key, it sounds sad. So tell me what you mean by resolution and tension. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, we hear it all the time in the, the build up to choruses. Uh, um, there, you know, there's this sense of building tension and anticipation as, you know, the the composer or, or the musician is, 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 building up to what we know is going to happen. Uh, and then when they finally reach that, that's what we call the resolution. And it's it's where you get those certain songs, you get a, a very nice fulfilling end, and it sounds like they, they hit that final chord and you go, boom, that's the end of that song. Whereas some artists, and this is the kind of joy of, of composing, I think, is, is playing around with these expectations. Uh, you leave it a little bit unfinished, and that's where you know, those little elements of tension or confusion come from. I don't think I've ever thought before about how when you're listening to music, sometimes you know what's supposed to happen next. It's all a series of little, uh, you know, hints throughout throughout the song of where it's going to go. And the really exciting bits and the bits that, you know, prick up people's ears or the really... um, Nice bits, which make you feel really content, are all either those expectations being defied or met. Um, so sometimes you might, a song will finish in a really weird place and you'll see a bunch of people sat in the cafe or whatever where it's playing will kind of perk up and, and look around. Um, and it's yeah, it's because they, they, even if they weren't listening to it as a primary activity, that anticipation and expectation is still there. So how have you used this kind of knowledge about music to think about technology and physical activity? Yes. So building kind of on that idea that that these expectations of music are kind of core to to how we listen to it and experience it. What I was really interested in the core, I think, of my PhD work was how could we then remap that onto another thing? Uh, in that case, it was physical activity through uh, for general well-being as well as for rehabilitation, um, because we also know, you know we have a set of expectations for our exercise when we, we try and do a new exercise or when we, we're trying to improve the expectation of what we can do. Uh, and it's often the setting and you know meeting or not of that expectation that determines whether we feel that we are good at that thing which in turn will determine if we're going to keep doing it. If I think I should be able to do 100 squats right now, that's a very high expectation to, to meet. I probably won't meet it. 
uh, and then I'm probably never going to try to do 100 squats again. Whereas if we can develop these expectations and build on them, we might have a better time as maintaining a regular physical activity around it and also not punishing ourselves too much for that lack of progression. So what we, we're really interested in is, is in sonification, which is the turning of uh, data into sound of some kind, uh, and looking at tracking the movements people were doing when they were doing a certain movement, be it squats or, or stretches, getting them to set the kind of parameters for their goal of, of where they want to go, how deep you want to squat, how far you want to stretch, and using a musical feedback. So as you move, it would play some music to represent your movement. If we could embed the tensions and resolutions I was talking about in music before, could we encourage you to go a little bit further or could we make you feel that sense of resolution and, and contentment uh, and really reward um, through the music. So as you reached a certain point, you would hear that nice resolution of the music. And through that, you would think, oh, that was good. I reached the end, not only of the music that you were listening to, but to the movement you just did. Okay. So I suppose in a lot of um, exercise classes, like trainers will put music on. But I don't know to what extent that music is like what the relationship is, I suppose, between what that music is and what they're really trying to get people to do. If you think about that, you know, very stereotypical music you would think of in a gym or the kind of things people put on running playlists, they've got a set tempo. And that is largely it's partly to do with another kind of aspect of how we listen to music is we like to sync up to it. So. You know, it's with music's playing in the background, you might start bobbing your head to a certain rhythm or tapping your foot. But also when we're running, we like to listen to music that will fit our running cadence, will fit our rhythm. So the music that is chosen in those classes is chosen to meet those expectations and maybe push them a little bit as well. So, so not have something that's too slow or too easy for people, but have something that is a steady and reasonably paced rhythm for all the people taking part in the class. Um, and also to have something that is very uplifting in itself. Uh, and that's more than the emotional side where I think a lot of the, you know, there's these pra practical uh, benefits or illusions we're trying to do with the music. One of the, the more pragmatic aspects of it is that it's nice to do stuff with music playing. So there's a, an enjoyment factor that comes both with music in the gym and in these sonifications we're talking about uh, where people get a, a nice sense that they're doing something creative as well, which is, what it's all about for me and so in the work you were doing you were trying to see how you could make because you talked about how you're turning movement into sound or data into sound so were you trying to make the sound adaptive to the person's capabilities then yeah so so a key um concept i'd say within that work is that it's completely driven by the individual's movement. So how that work is we would get a, a smartphone uh, and using the kind of sensors in the smartphone, we would measure the, the angle of the movement they were doing. That's calibrated to the individual, to, to the, the movement they can do, and it's comfortable for them. Uh, and then as they move through the angles that they uh, have set up, it will play the next chord in, in the sequence. So the next musical uh, set of notes will play. So say you've set a range of, you know, 40 degrees as you move 10 degrees, the first note will play, the next 20 degrees will move on to the next note and so on. So you reach that end point 
At which point, that's when we start to to do our kind of musical mischief almost, where it will either sound like you have reached the end and you get that nice reward, or we leave it uh, a little bit tense, which um, we found it in in the series of uh, studies we did there, does encourage people and feel like they really want to push further because they want to reach that resolution and meet that expectation. So they kind of, listening to the the sounds they were thinking oh there's an expectation that I do more and so they would because the sound didn't seem to have resolved exactly and it's the the bringing together it's kind of interweaving those expectations of the movement in the music so it's not even a conscious thought that oh I want to reach the the resolution of the music we saw even in the the physical measures so measuring the amount of movement people do instinctively people kept on moving because they felt even though they had reached the end of what they'd said they wanted to do, they wanted to keep going. They felt they, there was an expectation to keep going because the sound hadn't resolved. So therefore, in the moment, you feel your movement hasn't resolved. You haven't reached the end of what you were going to do. So more recently, you've been looking at how we can use music when people are working in offices. Uh, or Well, I guess, or doing desk-based work, seeing as... People are working less in offices now. Um, do you want to tell us about that a bit? Yeah, so that in a lot of ways builds off of that work, but looking a lot more long term. So rather than thinking of your activity when you're you know, doing some exercise or doing some stretches, how might we encourage activity throughout the day? So one thing we know about people doing office-based or desk-based work, as it were, they spend a lot of time sitting down Um kind of at their desks doing their work. Uh, and it's really important to break through that sitting up with, you know, frequent activity breaks. So thinking again to that kind of the way music moves us and the expectation we have to meet different kinds of music. One of the things I'm looking at now is how can we use music, which is also used to help us focus and concentrate if we're getting distracted by people chatting around us, moving around the house, uh, knocking on doors. We might put on some music to help us kind of get in the zone. But one of the things uh, I'm looking at now in my research is how can we adjust that music in a similar way to the kind of uh, changes that I was making in the other type to encourage you to get up and move around every so often by increasing those elements of the music that make us feel like we want to get moving. When I think of people listening to music whilst they're working, I often think of young people, right? So at school or university and they're supposed to be revising for something and they've got their headphones on. And most likely, and maybe this is totally wrong and this is just what happened when I was growing up, but most likely I think their parents say to them, you can't possibly be concentrating whilst you're listening to that. So who's right? Because always the teenagers say, no, no, that helps me to work. So who's right in that situation? Um, There's a lot of different factors, and it really depends as well on what barrier you're trying to overcome to help you focus. For a lot of people, it is there's external noises or there's distractions, in which case some sound can be good, um, especially very calm music with not a lot of changes in it helps us to drown out all the the sounds that keep changing in our environment. It keeps the the soundscape around us a bit more stable and we're not distracted by, you know, pots clanging or or people moving behind us. 
another aspect of it, and this is where you find a lot of people who are listening to, you know, more of their, their pop hits albums or, or big sing-along things is the internal distractions that we feel. So especially, I think, for your example of people revising, it can get pretty boring. And that's when the mind starts to wander and we, we start to move off into other things. So bringing in music there as an intentional distraction somewhat bizarrely actually helps get us to focus because we're distracting that part of our brain that, that wants to go off and not do revision anymore. Uh, that's getting entertained a little bit while we do this by listening to the music. So that allows us to keep focused for a longer period of time on the, the piece of work we're doing. And it does depend on the kind of work you're doing, the kind of uh, the individual, how, how distractible you are. But yeah, those are the two key uses of music generally through the workplace. Sorry, you said that um, you said that you might need to choose like calm music. Does that mean it needs to be like some kind of lullaby type thing? Uh, again, it's yeah, it's very dependent on the individual. I know a lot of people who like uh, kind of blinky blonky piano music that that doesn't do a lot, doesn't move very much. There's not a lot of variability or energy would be the term we we would use uh, kind of musically for it. Um, other people that's too far the other way, and it, it is going to leads to them very being very bored or even some people they find it helps them doze off a bit so probably not what you want when you're working other people they're looking for just something that doesn't have a lot of changes uh stays pretty constant throughout uh maybe some uh you know techno uh something very repetitive that you can learn the changes of something uh, lo-fi beats is a very popular genre now which is kind of this instrumental music that, that has very subtle changes, but a very steady drum beat that kind of gets you into that rhythm. One thing, generally, if you're if you're trying to focus on very complex work or, or things where you have to do a lot of comprehension, it's generally a good idea to avoid stuff with words in it. Words are one of the biggest distractors for for people working, but it's also one of the things that can keep us the most entertained. So, if you are looking for that motivational aspect of work. Sometimes it's a good idea. And you've really got to choose it based on how you're feeling, the time of the day, the task you're doing. It's something that changes a lot. And one of the things we're interested in is adapting to those needs and adding this third need of getting you moving around as well. So how can we uh, almost trigger that instinct to to get up and and have a bit of a a boogie or a bit of a stretch, whatever it is? So do you think people are good at choosing the right kind of music for the right kind of task i think generally yeah people are pretty good because it it becomes very apparent to people i think quickly uh if you're trying to do a bit of work if something is too distracting or not distracting enough uh, in some of the initial studies we've done in, in prior work in, in this area we've seen you know the motivations for why people choose music and it does tend to be on that mood by mood basis that they'll like to switch it up whether those choices are always going to give the best outcomes i think it's impossible to know but i think getting people to perceive that that they've got the right balance is is good enough if people feel like they're focused and they're being productive that will be probably a good enough measure for them to be able to complete their work and yeah we see very quickly that people are willing to change if the something comes on that they either don't like or is very distracting they'll 
they'll switch it off for something else. Or if something is too dull and they need something a bit more high energy, uh, you see a lot of people with, with playlists to that effect. They can put on my um, Friday afternoon playlist or my morning jams playlist, that kind of thing. So it's not that people were likely to have like a generic work playlist, but that they might choose specific playlists depending on the kind of work they're going to do because then they can kind of intuitively know what sort of music they need to help them get through this next task that they're doing. Yeah, some people do have, have those different kind of boxes of, of music they'll go to. Some people have the, the more generic uh, work playlist of music they like and we'll just do it on a song-by-song basis. So a song comes on that's too distracting, you'll just skip that one. Uh, but I think for a lot of people, it's more reactive than that. So so you'll start doing a piece of work with maybe no music, realize you're not getting anything done, put some music on, uh, and then be able to focus a bit better. Or you're really struggling to get any of this work done, so you turn all your music off uh, and just focus on, on what you're doing. Um, so I think while people are able to do it, it's it's – I don't think they're able to forecast it uh, as well as maybe they would like. Uh, Some people definitely do, and they know, especially I think if you have a a more uh, stable kind of work tasks that that you know what you're going to be doing and the kind of concentration it requires, you can probably learn that. Um, But I think for a lot of people, they have to play it by ear as well. Depending on how variable their work is, I guess. Yeah. And, and so you said that you're interested now in how you might be able to also use music to get people to take physical activity breaks. So how do you imagine that to work? Yeah, so it's a it's a tricky thing because focus and concentration is such a a, a fragile thing that it's it's really important i think not to disrupt it even for something so important it's kind of staying active and being healthy what we kind of know and what i'm sure we can all attest to things that interrupt us when we're really concentrated are very annoying so any technology that you introduce that's going to help encourage these breaks has to be uh, cognizant of of people's concentration and and respectful of, of their their work so the idea for the the music is that similar kind of ear pricking example we were talking about before in the cafe where that music where the music suddenly changes uh, and everyone sits up a little bit and and, and looks around uh, if you're deep in a conversation or, or you're in the middle of reading a good book you're probably not gonna drop everything in and go attend to what's going on with this music because it's in the grand scheme of things a very subtle change but the the hope is that through those changes in the music we can give people a better sense of time than they get currently uh, I think a big problem with focus and concentration is time getting away from people. Uh, and suddenly it's been four hours and you've not looked away from your screen. If we can use those changes in the music, not to out and out disrupt people and say, hey, you stop what you're doing right now. You've got to got to pay attention to me. But give them those kind of almost peripheral uh, interruptions where you maybe take a little note that something has changed but it's not too disrupting. You can finish what you're doing. And then maybe by the time you finish that thought, you go, oh, the music has changed. It must be break time. I'm going to get up and move around. So when you were talking earlier about this idea of resolution in music, do you think that if you're listening to music and you have that kind of thing in the sound, that it might 
influence your feelings towards your work and that you might feel like oh I'm coming to a break bit now because the sound has kind of brought that definitely I think thinking about that in a longer scale is definitely a a possibility to to get people to learn those expectations I think it's tricky because Talk, going back to the, the sonification work I did, the expectation we're talking is, is on a very small scale where the language is quite simple. So if I play a piano scale that goes da-da-da-da, you kind of know where that's going. That's easier to do. But we're thinking about work, which is you know typically for for uh, throughout a whole day. The the time uh, flows we're talking about are, are a lot different, but... I think definitely creating those expectations of, oh, this is where I'm coming up to a break. Or even through when the break has happened, the expectation of that music has changed. Do you think, oh, something's different here? This isn't what I expected it to continue on in my focus brain. And that has triggered me to, to think that maybe something else is going on. Uh, and what we're hoping is that is to get active and, and stretch up a bit, maybe walk around, get a cup of tea uh, and all that good stuff. Yeah. It sounds really interesting. So do you use music in this way when you're working? Uh, yeah, I use music in uh, a lot of different <laughs> different ways. Um, typically, I'm one of those person who gets uh, very internally distracted. So I do listen to a lot of um, singing and, and I'm one of the people who, who can't do anything without some music on. So I need at least something. Uh, and typically I go for those higher energy ones. But I do, especially now while we're working remotely and maybe those external distractions to get us moving are, are removed, I definitely have to put on some more dancey music and maybe uh, have a little jaunt around the kitchen while my tea is brewing to get that movement in during the day. That sounds like a really good idea. And, and do you use it as well when you're uh, trying to be physically active? Like, have you thought about how you use music yourself to encourage yourself to go running or something yeah so again that's that's something where I personally I I have you know dedicated playlists or songs that are there to get me in the mood for certain activities and it's again it's partly that linked expectation so when I hear this song I know oh this is time to to get up and get moving song or this is the song I play when I'm really working to a tight deadline and I need to push through or building those kind of expectations from scratch using kind of the music that I listen to. And yet you're definitely using it for different kinds of routines. Uh, And similarly, I think for switching off as well. So I've more recently started having music that I listen to for non-work activities. So if I'm going to, you know, do some doodling or or reading a book or or relaxing, I have some music that's picked out for that as well. So that's kind of like a really interesting idea for people when there's lots of people who've been talking about how when they're working from home, they're finding it difficult to switch off from work because they're doing everything in one place. But you're using certain bits of music to kind of signal to yourself, this is a not a non-work time now. This is a relaxing time. It's very difficult to bring those differences to bear, especially when it's all in the same place. So I spend most of my working day sat here at this desk I spend a lot of my free time here as well because I'm interacting with all my friends and family online so yeah having some things to signal to me that that there's been a change of of state a lot of times for me that is that is music it's it's you know whether I'm wearing a shirt or a t-shirt it's uh, all these different things that 
can use, I think, to even if you're not able to distinguish physically that you're at home or at work, I think having these other aspects to it to, to help with that transition, I think, is really important. Well, thanks for that, because I think you're giving people some really interesting ideas about how they might be able to use music to help them in all these different types of uh, different areas of their life to achieve these different outcomes. And it's been interesting hearing your ideas about how we can embed this in technology as well as solutions to help people. So thanks a lot for joining me. Well, thank you. I hope people can go away and think about what music they want to listen to now. Thanks so much to Dr. Joe Newbold. You can find him at Joe Maybe on Twitter. You can find a link to his website and access to the show notes for this episode on our website, eworklife.co.uk, where you can also find more evidence-based tips on using technology to support work and well-being. I'd love to hear your feedback on this episode. You can find me on Twitter at AnnaCox underscore. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends and you can also leave us a star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks as always to our producer, Claire Casson. This episode was sponsored by the EPSRC Get A Move On Network Plus. Music by scottholmesmusic.com. E-Work Life, powered by UCL Minds.